Lighting some shit on a microphone. It's like listening to rap albums, but it always sounds cool in the booth. Or they use the sound effects for pouring drinks. Like, you know, put that. Yeah, sir, sure. Silent enough. I know you're a popular dude. Many people hitting you up. Is that probably one of the most frustrating things about, like, being where you're at in the music industry on tour and, like, motherfuckers knowing you can hook them up, and there's some of our your friends, some of your just associates, and they're just always wanting shit, right? Probably the, one of the most frustrating things on being on tour. Everybody right? wants a hookup. Everybody's hitting you up, you know, yes. especially like this tour, especially because it's the you know final, final tour. tour or whatever. So everyone wants to hit you up, and and they don't realize like, oh, uh, you know, all yeah. day they're hitting like, yo, I'm here, I'm I'm at yeah. my seat, like, and it's stressful because you're working. Yeah, and it's like, yo, dude, I'm in the middle of doing a hundred things. It's like I don't got time. And I don't care don't if, know you're, at your if seat, you're having you know? one of those. Sometimes some days on tour go crazy bad or hard, and you don't have that extra five minutes to fucking yep. pick your phone up. I mean, Almost every day, people don't realize. Yeah, that. I mean, I had I had a homie hit me up for our show yesterday, trying to get his uncle in. Yeah. Man, and it's my boy, and he tours too. He knows the deal. And I was like, "Damn, dude, we need a day or so notice with this yeah. one." And, and I'm and I'm super busy. Like I don't even have the fucking extra exactly. time to to hit dudes up. Exactly. So and that's what people don't get. It's crazy. You know, they think like, you know, oh, yeah. you know, you have time to do this and that. It's like, yo, dude, I don't have. You know, you, for me, I always yeah. turn in guest lists a day or two before. You have to. Right? That's what I do. Yeah. I, if I'm hooking someone up, I'm yeah. giving it to them ahead of time, yeah. and I'm letting them know yeah. these are my moments of free time. This is when we can kick it. This is when I can come and get you, bring yep. you back, but. I'm jammed up. Yeah. Well, most of the time, even the other day, I had a bunch of homies come out. Like, you know, two homies come out, with, with, with one with his wife or whatever. What was that? Well, in, uh, in Reading. Uh, and I literally saw them after the show for about 15 minutes. I mean, you know? yeah, sometimes it, you don't, right? we got shit to do. And that was work. And, and, and even then, I had to stop doing, I had to leave because I had to go back and finish, you know, the, the jam room stuff or whatever. So... And it's just like, yo, dude, I don't, you know, I got time. Sorry, like you you're know? a dedicated individual, though. Man. Uh, you're you're that, a dedicated that, dude. That, look, that's the thing with with uh, being out here. Um, you got focus, right? That's the thing that people. We lack. were talking about that a while yeah, back. You, you know, out here, the focus is always work, and and people lose track of that, right? Distractions are yeah, real out just, here. You know, temptations, and that's the little shit that you know? can throw your whole day off, your whole yep. the whole show off of you because you, you gave five minutes here when you should not have. And uh, and it's it, almost like uh, it's almost like bad karma, Jake. Like when you you know you're at work, you're doing shit you're not supposed to, right? Yeah. And then and then you come back and then yeah, something the fucks work. up the gig, yep. and, and then, then you're yo, like, you I fuck. shouldn't have, I done, shouldn't that. have done that. You know yep. what I mean? No, dude, that's I, that's happened to me uh, so many times when I was like, you know what? I shouldn't have chilled for too long. I shouldn't yep. have taken that nice lunch. Yep. I shouldn't have talked on the phone with yep. my blo- my friend, my girlfriend. Yep. Because now I'm yep. stressed. The now fuck out. exactly, and, and, and the gig and is on the line. The gig is on the line, and then you're stressed out the next day because you fucked up last night, right? Yeah. So you're worried. Okay, I got to make sure the next thing is next day is perfect, right? So it's, people don't realize it's there's it's. It's pressure out here, right? It's not like, you know, looming pressure over you, but there's the pressure it's of... It's a timeline that dude, you have to get shit done in, and you there's variables. Do- it's not the yep. same every day. Exactly. So shit could change your yep. whole fucking schedule exactly. without you, you even being you open ready. open up, all right, so you got, you know, a couple of guitars to do today. Well, you know, last night was muggy and today's cold, so guess what? You know, now all your necks are fucks. All your Does shit that is- affect the tuning? Yes. The, uh, Temperature? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like... It'll throw it always out of tune. Well, here's the thing: if it's cold out, it's look. A, a guitar is a piece of wood at the end of the day, right? So, um, temperature is going to affect it. 
it's wood. If it if it's warm, it's going to uh, um, expand, right? So to loosen it, it up. And, and, and if it's cold, it's going to constrict, right? So your necks will move accordingly. So you have to, you know, yeah. you have to uh, you have to tweak them every day, right? So it's some it depends. Sometimes you get lucky when it's cold, man. I've done cold shows where the guitars are fucked and they stay in tune Perfect. better. We've been doing all these outdoor <laughs> hot shows though. It yeah, makes it harder, so right? That, well, here's the thing too. Let's say like yesterday was a perfect example, right? Uh, a Reading, PA. It was cold in that fucking yeah. arena, wasn't it? Right? The AC which was I kicking. Loved. Yeah, which I like it. But then when we hit and the pyro hits, it warms everything uh, dude, up. It last warms minute, everything up. And it so then the guitars, next, you know, right? yep. And then you're chasing necks all night, you know, during uh, the show, which is kind of crazy, right? So. Yeah. That neck chasing voice you're hearing is uh, my guest. This episode of Damaged Goods is my friend and a renowned guitar tech, Warren Lee, guitar tech for Slayer, Rancid, Hatebreed, many, a, a legend on the road. And this is a special episode because Warren and I are on tour with Slayer for the final tour, but we're doing this episode of the podcast from the back lounge of our tour bus, which is if Warren's not stage right doing his guitar thing, this is where he would be. This is where I hang out. This is where we hang out on the bus, right? This is where you smoke some ganja, kind of relax and kick it. And so this is Warren in his element, in his uh, probably his most comfortable place other than stage right, making guitars sound fucking great. And so that's a real fun thing to do, a, you know, podcasts like this with an artist from their place, like going to you. It's like your studio. <laughs> it's my your element. Fucking, yeah, your element. I my love natural it. element. It is. It's great. I love it. It's nice and smoky back here. A little cloudy. You came back here and you don't burn. You would definitely catch a contact high. Somebody tried to dispute me the other day like that. That's not real. I could go in the back lounge. This and I was like, motherfucker, you come on our back lounge. <laughs> no, you yeah, it's your, you sleep it, in the bunk out. Yeah, exactly. You even live on this bus. You're gonna get a contact high. So you know, and and uh, it's funny because like I feel like everyone on the crew that's been around the Slayer crew for a while knows knows that's the deal. If you come new to it, it might be you might be like surprised, and then you, but you got to get down with it. Yeah, you got to you don't smoke. To you got to be. Ah, I'm cool with it. Yeah, you're used you to. You can't. It. You can't. I've been on tours where you smoke in the back lounge. Dudes will come from the bunk alley. Can you tell the door? Like <laughs> whine about shit or like there's only three Open dudes that window. smoke on the bus, so you have yeah. to smoke before you roll. And and uh, on Slayer, man, I, I say what well, I, I grew up smoking a gang of weed. All my friends do. And when I started touring with you guys. I was like, these motherfuckers smoke a lot of weed. Well, here's the thing. This is like being out with the fucking Cheech and Chong at the Cannabis yeah, Cup, yeah, dog. Like, Slayer is a weed-smoking fucking camp. Yep, yes, we are. And here's the thing, though. It's, you know, every, it's, around here, you kind of just be yourself, right? You're yeah. accepted, so, you know. As long as you do your gig. Yeah, as I mean, long as you do if, your gig If you and can don't smoke like, weed and do your job, no one's yeah. going to say shit and to you. And you're not, like, you know, puking in people's yeah. bunks every night because you're yeah. so drunk. Yo, it's, it's going to be fun. And I feel like you know? that's usually, the rule on the road is, you could do whatever you do as long as you do your gig right. Yes, And if absolutely. you're fucking it up because you're high or you're drinking or you're doing drugs or you're sleeping too many then naps, it's a then it's a problem. And there's dudes who don't drink or smoke or do any drugs who can fuck, fuck up, up a gig. gig. Yeah, so, so it's like you're always on the line if yeah. you're fucking your gig up. You got to be a worker and you got to know what your shit is dialed down. Listen, if you want us to live out here and work these fucking long, crazy hours, man, I can't really do it sober, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's sort of like... Uh, I will, I'll see Warren throughout the day, various times of his day, and I, I see him working, I see him doing his thing, and, and Warren is one of the, you know, when we talk about people who smoke weed, the misconception is it makes people lazy, stoners, and we've had guests on this podcast before who will refute that, you know, you can be very productive, you can be very focused and, and diligent, and you're like one of the best examples of a dude who smokes a lot of weed, not only does his job, does it fucking well, Thank you. like clockwork, doesn't you. fuck up because of that shit. Yeah, it, and, it's, and is a chiller person because of it. Well, it it kind of um, it keeps me sedated, right? It keeps me focused. Yeah. Um, you know, most people that 
that that like smoke indica, they can't do right there. Well, indica's real sleepy time weed. Yeah. I can't do daytime indicas either. That's my nighttime weed. Yeah, I, I can. So, so you do. So you do smoke indica during the day. All day. I rather smoke. See, indica. I I'd smoke sativa if I was doing a task. Like, I'm gonna clean the house. I'm gonna cook this meal. I'm gonna write this thing. I'm gonna whatever. I'd rather never smoke sativa. Ever. Does it give you anxiety? No, but it it probably could. So I'd rather stick with the indica. I feel like when people complain about weed, they don't like it because it gives them anxiety attacks. I feel like they're smoking. Sativas most and people, not doing anything with it. Most people that used to smoke weed and quit smoking weed smoke sativa yeah. and had a, a extreme panic attack, which yep. I, which has happened to me before as well, right? Yeah. And then you realize, oh, and then they think they they attribute it to the weed. Meanwhile, it's not really it's the really weed. you. It's, it's an just underlying the, yeah, problem. It's your anxiety. Yeah. That's, you know what I mean. And if I was ever to smoke sativa, I I do it when I have something to do. When I used to be in the studio making music, like just or perfect. doing tasks. It's, it's a it's a. It, Sativa's good for day smoking, right? Yeah, you if can't you like just do it though and sit day. around because you'll no. get anxiety. Yeah. That's what the indica's for. You want to exactly. trip out on a cool art show at the aquarium <laughs> and go to exactly. bed and watch a movie? Indica. <laughs> All fucking day. People need to know well, about nowadays, these differences. <laughs> with uh, the uh, legalization of marijuana across the nation, it's people are starting to realize, you know, that the, you know the different kinds, but it's like wine, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you, you know, you can drink certain kinds of uh, wine with food, certain kinds of food, right? Certain yeah. kind of wine you would just drink sure. it, uh, when you're chilling. People you need know? to learn about it. Yeah, and that's, the now thing. they're getting taught finally because of the legalization of the recreation. If that's the right word, I think yes. that's not the right word. But either way, people are getting taught that you go to dispensaries and you don't know shit about weed. Yes. They will put you on and yes. tell you what's good that, for you and what's bad for you. And that is the yes. good thing. And we need to learn that. It's yes. like a medicine. Then you can exactly. learn how to use it for the benefits or yeah. not. And you got, people need to realize the majority of these people are pushing this for medicinal reasons. Like, you can go into most of these dispensaries and say, okay, uh, I, I get headaches. And these yeah. guys will give you, okay, yeah. we'll smoke this or try this edible or, you know, try this yep. type of uh, CBD or yeah. whatever, whatever it is that they have. You know what I mean? It's, it's, they really know what's up. It's not yeah. just, you know, hey, I want to sell you this bag of weed type of thing, you know? I've been, loving, uh, I've been loving CBDs for anxiety in the last, like, six months. I've been eating them so much just to yeah. chill. It chills not, me out. I'm not too big on the CBDs. You don't like them? I think do, you I, not, do you not feel any... I think I have. I think there's. I think there's enough THC in my system to keeps you chill. But sometimes I I do. I do the CBD for like say like I fuck my back up surfing or I'm feeling anxiety, but I don't want to be high because I still have to do some shit. I like it for that. But I still smoke the fuck out of some weed though. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I do both. You know, I do either one. I was telling you that we are we're in uh, Kentucky, right across the water from glorious Cincinnati, Covington, Covington, glorious, beautiful place. Sort of joking, sort of not joking. But anyway, there's a little head shop down the way. I went to get a grinder. And, uh, you know, weed is not legal in Kentucky, nor is it medicinal. But CBD is legal all over the place, 50 states. So they have a bunch of flour, edibles, shatter, uh, wax, oils, all CBD shit. And it was... Uh, yeah, people are starting to realize the medicinal value of this, right? But people yeah. like need to realize, look, they gotta, you got to look into the history of why marijuana was illegal to begin with, right? Yeah, William what, what Randolph happened? Hearst and the fucking paper shit. That's what I'm saying, dude. It was so, money. It was a business exactly. thing, dude. It was all it wasn't. It was a political thing. thing. It wasn't yep. about, you know? It, I mean, yep. dude, uh, half the farmers that you know bought this country... You know what I mean? They were all hemp farmers, man. Are you kidding yep. me? George Fucking Washington, George Washington, Washington dollar Clinton. bills. Yeah, I mean, you know, I get, I get like agitated when people, people have these things about about drugs and uh, I, I consider alcohol a drug, right? It's 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 a drug to me, absolutely, right? I think it's and worse I think than, most worse people, than weed. and that's a oh, way worse, way worse. I agree, and I think people 
think because it's legal and they, they have advertisements for it, it's in every restaurant and you're allowed to drink it on your graduation and people, like your parents are cool with it, whatever, that it's not a bad thing. Yeah. There was a time when that shit was more illegal than fucking cocaine yeah. and marijuana. Well, what, that what shit kills, was illegal, bro. What kills you worse, uh, cigarettes or marijuana? Right? Exactly. And there's ads legal. Cigarettes are legal. Yeah, they tax that shit the same place you buy booze. <laughs> and uh, and even people will well, look hold down. On a you know what, Jake? In fact, if you were a 12-year-old kid, right, and you had some kind of disorder, you could probably get prescribed oxycodone, which everyone knows is synthetic heroin, okay? But but if uh, you were on the corner smoking a joint, you'd like probably get arrested. Jail. You know, yeah, how crazy is that, up. right? Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's just the dumbass shit. And people will look down on you. But for certain things, I'm like, yo, you're drinking this poison just because it's legal and you bought it in the store doesn't make it okay. Yeah, you exactly. Know? You do, and people look down. I don't. I look. I'm not judging anybody who does alcohol and drugs because that's something that you know. You guys listen to this shit. You know what the fuck goes down. Look, as long as you stick to me, as long as you stick with alcohol and weed, and you don't go anything further than that. But even alcohol fine. can be like. Well, I think it's it depends on the individual. Look, everything has to be done in moderation. I think, yeah, you know. Yeah, or just if you. Every individual takes substances differently, so you have to be able to handle whatever your you know you and I know a, a very legendary uh, guitar tech who he likes to fucking party with the Peruvian flu, but he does his job. He's fine. He's functional. It doesn't fuck with him. Yep. You know, and I know some people. If I pass a joint to them, they're a mess. Oh, they're, they're a mess. Yeah, done. exactly. But some dudes so. have to go sober because they just turn into animals when yep. they drink. It's like exactly. gremlins. Exactly. You know, <laughs> gremlins. You give them a little something after twelve. I'm I'm gonna do where like. If I am sober, I'm way more likely to snap and lose my temper. Even alcohol, yes. I don't trip out when I'm drunk. Well, I'm let's, a nice, take, let's, let's take you for example, right? If you're dealing with you know these uh, these these uh, fans or the crowds or whatever, right? The, the VIP guys, right? Some of them can get pushed sometimes, pushy or whatever, oh, right? Fuck yes. And if you're having a long day, rough day, man, you might snap more. At the guy, more likely if, but so if you were, if you're a little, you know, if you're a little, little emergency downstage, right? Man, Even if I had a shot of something, yeah, it takes my edge off. Go. Take your edge off, mate. Yeah. You don't get you That's, through the day. My man. saying is, let me do something to take the edge off before I take somebody's head off. Yeah, but some exactly. days I want to lose my fucking yes. temper. Yes. Well, it, you know, but people that also comes with you also have to, you know, that you have to keep that in check, yeah, right? Because you know you have to be able to just do the one shot and then yeah, go and walk exactly. and finish it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some people can't do that, right? They and do the tough. one shot and they got to go back and do the second one and the third ones, and that's yeah. that's the problem with a lot of people. That's right? true. That's tough, man. You know? I mean, it's easy well, because to, like, people don't think. They, they, yeah, well, it's it's like let's say uh, I don't know, man. It's like getting up and drinking a cup of coffee in the morning, right? For some people, right? If you take a you know smoke a joint in the middle of the day or you know take a shot or whatever, and then yo, it gets you through the day. It's no big deal, you know. But I mean, that's, that's how I feel. Yeah. I mean, it depends. Listen, I, I you know I have also uh, I work in a corporate setting at home, and uh, none of this goes on, right? Yeah, yeah, so it's it just depends your setting. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, how long you been with Slayer right now? Fourteen years, sir. Fourteen years. Fourteen years. That's I started with them in early two thousand and three, unofficially, and then officially about two thousand four. So I was hired. That's crazy. Officially. You're on the final tour right now. Yes, fucking, fourteen years. I've been touring for twenty two. And I've been with Slayer for 14, so that's, more than half the my longest, career. Uh, band that you've been with, like the longest yeah. you've been with a band. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Damn, that's a long time. 14 <laughs> years is a long fucking time. Yeah, you know, throughout the time, like, uh, you know, we've been through t two guitar players, two drummers, yeah. right? How many records? How many times around the world? It's been crazy. It's been a, it's been a crazy ride. So, who was the first uh, when you when you got into touring? You was it guitar checking was the first thing? No, actually, I started out as a tour manager. Wow! Right, damn. For, for, that's for pretty baby crazy. Bands. Yeah, for a bit, this band called uh, Fahrenheit Four Fifty One. Yeah, in New York, right? And uh, uh, I started tour managing, and and then 
eventually, you know, I worked for a band called Vision of Disorder, and that's that's when they kind of like pushed me to do uh, more of the setup and on stage. Right? How'd you like TM and tour? That's tour managing. Yeah, I hated it. You hated it. Yeah, babysitting. It's, yeah, I'm not, you know. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to deal with that. You know, my so, personality is not really. Um, at that time, I didn't know enough really to tour manage. And so, so they were just like, "Yeah, we'd like you to tech." Yeah, guitar shit. Well, yeah, because at that time I really didn't know much. So when I started work for that band, Vision of the Sword, that you know they already had the one guitar player who was kind of the tour man. He dealt with everything. So my role, that role was, you know, I needed to kind of find another role. Yeah. Right. So they pushed me into, you know, okay, well you. And you, you know, already knew guitar shit. Yeah, I mean, I played playing in the band at that time. You know, I knew how to set up stuff or whatever. You know, so they kind of put me in charge of that. And then along the way, I just learned more and more. Right, because you know you do. You meet other techs or whatever, you know. I was lucky. Along the way, I, I met a lot of uh, seasoned guys that, you know, that, didn't, you yeah, that, that didn't take me, you know, they took me seriously, taught me stuff. They didn't, you know, punk me out or anything, you know what I mean? They kind of took me under their wing type of thing, you know? So. I think that's like the illest way people climb up through shit is just being good, good at what you're doing, but also not just being good, but having something that others can see in you like, this kid's good, but he's going to be better. Also, he's got like not just the skills, but he's got the character. Yeah. He's got the fucking morals. He's I got think, the I aesthetics. Think, uh, we, you know, I like to share the knowledge. I like to. You I do like that to say, a lot you know? too. I will say you yes. do that a lot with people I yeah. see on tour. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't like to keep stuff like you know, hey, I'm not showing this guy this secret. I, only I know that, or you know, I, I I don't like to hide stuff like that. I definitely like to share the knowledge and 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 you know, I, I like to see uh, help the you know the, again. I, I was that kid right coming up. And these other guys helped me. So I, I'd like to always return that favor. If I see a younger kid on tour that's kind of, you know, coming up and he needs help with stuff or he comes up and asks, man, I, I never shy away from help. That's, it's because you know I, mean? I think, so, like, you, you guys may not know, but Warren Lee has, like, a reputation on the road, not only being a great tech, but, like, a cool motherfucker, but also a, a fearsome motherfucker for some. And you have a <laughs> reputation that precedes you. Like, when people are, like, talk about Warren Lee or the Lee brothers his brother Royce who's the stage manager for Slayer and other acts uh, not only are they known to be good at what they do for their gigs but also kind of like some badass motherfuckers from Queens New York <laughs> you know guys get into some fisticuffs and what ha- what have you well, but listen. I think like people who, who might have heard about you or, or meet, haven't met you per se on tour personally but they are on tour with you and they know you're there they might be intimidated or or, or Scared or yeah. whatever, and like sometimes dudes deserve it. Sometimes dudes are cornballs on tour, or dicks or dorks Listen, or fucking idiots. Most of the people that get caught out here, you you deserve it one, and you're probably doing something you shouldn't be doing. Yeah, you know what you I mean. You gotta learn quick. Well, on the uh, road, you I know, feel let's like. talk about the other night in Toronto, Jake. Did you hear about this? What what happened the other night in Toronto? What? Oh yes, 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 yes. I heard. <laughs> I, I was coming out the shower. I heard this hilarious okay. story. So here's the here's the story. I'm gonna give you the story. All right. I don't know if I should be talking about this on air, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so an old friend of mine hit me up, right? And, uh, hey, man, I had, you know, he hit me, I think, via social media or something, you know. And usually I don't entertain shit like that, right? But, though, this guy I hadn't seen. He's a guy in the business. So he's you know like a friend mean? or an associate? Yeah, it's, it's more of a, like... Both, man, I guess. You know, he used to be a friend. I just we lost touch. Okay. Right? I did a bunch of tours with him. He played in my friend's band. You know what I mean? Just, yeah, yeah. Toured, okay, so yeah, y'all a bunch of bands, right? So, you know, it was a kind of mutual respect business yeah. type thing, right? And, you know, industry thing or whatever. And uh, so he hit me up. So I put him on the list. I gave him some passes. And, and you know, knowing he, he been him being in the industry, he should know the drill, right? So instead of waiting around till I'm done to find me to hang out, the fucking guy takes his guest and walks into the band's dressing room. Wanders into okay? the Slayer dressing yeah. room. Wanders into the dressing Un- room. Unescorted by Warren or anyone that knows 
the band. Someone realizes he shouldn't be in there. Ask him who he's with. He drops my name, right? Yeah. To a band member. Okay, so then proceeds to get walked out of the dressing room nicely, right? And then, and, you know, for, for people who don't know about touring shit, explain to them that when you put guests on the list and you give them these passes, they put your your initials on the yes. thing. So they'll have WL for yes. Warren Lee on the initials. So people know that this gentleman is responsible for these guests. Yes. And when they drop your name in the dressing room, they're like, why isn't Warren here? Like, yes. it can get you in trouble or just yes. and people and, and at, at you. the end of the day, if you're a guest of mine on a Slayer tour, you're you, still you shouldn't really care to yeah, meet, about meeting the band yeah, because yeah. that's uh, to me that's very unprofessional. You know what I mean? Like, I'm especially guess, if you I'm work not bringing in my music. guest to meet the fucking band. Dude. Yeah, especially Sorry. if you in the industry, dude. <laughs> yeah, in a, exactly. And tour. And he should know better, right? So whatever, he wanders back down the catering. I get wind of this while I'm packing up, right? So I finish packing up and I basically go into catering and find this fucking guy. Right? And I asked him what the fuck happened. Why would you go yeah, in the dressing room? I love room? how confrontational yeah. Warren is. And, 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 and right away that. he says, right away, yes, I did walk into the dressing room. And, and then I basically was he drunk and, or fucked up? No, he was. Yeah, of course he was drunk. You know, and and uh, so he, you know, he said, minute he walked into the dressing room, and I basically just fucking slapped him up, and you know, punched him a couple of times. I, you know, it was whatever. And then and, 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 and I think his friend, his friend was there. I punched him in the head. That was the guitar player for th- three eleven, uh, finger eleven, finger right? 11. Finger eleven. I, I so I'm know, calling you out right now. No, no, no. Finger eleven from Canada. I'm calling your ass out. You know what I mean? So you finger do eleven. Some, what does the what does that mean? I don't even know. Who cares? It's some <laughs> dumbass fucking Canadian guys that, in a band that, that, that should know fucking better. You know what I mean? But you want to come to a Slayer show, act like you don't know any fucking better. Well, you got fucking you got handled. All right. So in other words, the lesson is you drop my name at a fucking Slayer backstage, yeah. I'll drop your ass, all right? Yeah. Simple as that, right, Jake? Got, shit I mean, like yo, that it's, happens, it's, right? And that guy deserved it. I didn't line, put him in the man. hospital or nothing. Let's no, no, fucking no. smash him around a, a little. It's a good warning. He, he got taught a lesson. Yeah, it's a, right? it's a warning of sorts. Yes. I mean, and that's it, what happens sometimes. And again, my, my reputation is I don't take shit, which is the truth. I'm from New York. I don't take shit from people, right? Yeah, and man. to me, I, I was nice enough to put you on the guest list, give you fucking passes on this tour, which is yeah. basically a no fucking comp tour. Right? He essentially jeopardizes yeah. your relationship with the band exactly. and your job. So or just motherfuckers are going to give you shit about exactly. it. Exactly. So he deserved the motherfucker. And, 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 he, and sometimes that's what the, the, you know, nature works itself out, and, and you get what you deserve on things like that because um, the, the touring world, it's almost like a bubble in a lot of ways. Um, you're 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 isolated from what's going on in the rest of the world at certain times, and there's different rules and, and things that apply. It you know there's different laws it's, to it and shit. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, it's a little more cutthroat than your average working shit. You yeah, know? well, people need to realize, it's, especially in this day and age, man. People, other people wandering around backstage, other than people that are working or artists on the tour, is sketchy because you never know what these people are up to, right? You never Someone know. Someone else can mistake them for just some psycho fans. You never some know. Crazy. You never know nowadays. You just crazy. have to be uh, vigilant. You know, uh, diligent, right? Yeah. And, 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 and security. Make sure, on yeah. And that's why we, we thank God. Like you know, we have security on this tour. Yeah. So that that's you keep know? out the fucking crazies. Yeah. So you uh you grew up in Queens, Queens, yeah, New, Queens York New York City, which is uh which is one of my favorite boroughs in New York. Yeah. That's me too. I like Queens. I think yes. Queens doesn't get enough. Love I'm not a Brooklyn sometimes. guy. If you're from Queens, you don't Brooklyn's like Brooklyn. Cool, but if I you're do... from Brooklyn, you don't like Queens, man. So but y'all are both Kings County, right? Is it is it Kings County, Queens, and Brooklyn? No, no, Kings County. Yeah, Kings County is Brooklyn. Right? Yep. But not Queens. Not Queens. But is is Queens technically like part of Long Island County or some shit? Pretty much. It it's like the beginning of like if you keep going east into Queens, you'll eventually yeah, you know, you start Long Island, it is Long right? Island, so right. it's an extension of Long Island. I what guess. Uh, what part of uh, Queens did you grow up in? 
Uh, mostly like Middle Village, Forest Hills. See, that's one part of Queens I don't know. Well, what kind of like? Well, at least when you was growing up, what kind of neighborhood was that? It's mostly Guidos, man. Wait, well, Guidos and metalheads. So yeah. was it like a few Chinese families in that? Oh no, it was, all, it was mixed. It was very mixed. There was a lot of Jewish people in Forest Hills, right? Right. A lot of a lot, lot of Jewish people. So it was that which made it quiet and and and, and, and seven nice train? To what is that? No, that's off the uh, uh, the EF. Oh, okay. Right or the R train. You know what I mean? So Austin Street, that was pretty. Um, that's a pretty popular place in in, in Queens. That's like yeah. uh, it's almost like a little mini uh, downtown area or whatever. You know, but that was like when I was growing up. That's where dude, that's where all the bikers hung out. You know yeah. what I mean? The comics, the comic book store was there. That's where we went to go get comics. You know, you love comics. Oh yeah, I grew up on comics, dude. dude so come do on. I, man, we yeah. have to nerd out later. All right, I was a huge look, comic yeah. book head. Bro. No, yeah, huge my mom's comic book head. Me, my brother had. Boxes of comics. And my I, mom I still have out, uh, some of my grandmother's attic, like autograph shits, uh, dude. Lucky. I got like Rob Layfield, the late New Mutants, so an early X Force autograph. I got uh, Spawn one through thirty autograph Atomic Family. I got a bunch of, bunch of joints. I was a huge comic book fan. I, I was had, a huge artist when I was younger. Uh, now it sounds like I'm just bragging on my own podcast. <laughs> I used to draw, paint. My grand, my Irish grandparents are painters and shit. I, okay. I painted too, but I drew. I did like I did every medium for visual that. art, but I stopped in my teens. Because uh, I was just skateboarding became way too big for me, and I stopped okay. doing anything that I had to deal with somebody else. Like, I quit playing sports, I yep. was getting in trouble in school, yeah, even yeah. art classes, which was my best thing. Even my art teachers, who gave me more room to breathe and freedom than any teachers and understood, and because you know, of my talents, gave me room, and I still got in shit. And then I was just like, fuck everybody. Do you, do you draw now still or no? I, I'll dick around. I still okay. got some skills, but I'm yeah. not nice, nice. No, no, no. But and, you, you should. Know, and I, I mess around with graffiti. Too, when I was yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. So. And then uh, yeah, I, I just, messed around with graffiti yeah. for about like two months. I, I have all my friends who are such ill graffiti writers and artists still. And I kind of wish I, I stayed at it more, yeah. you know. But I just did that. I got into music. Yeah, I, yeah. I was skateboarding. I was I was doing a lot of shit. Yeah, me you too. Know? But I wish I did more of the art. You know? I too. think I got so mad at the schools and the teachers of art. I didn't want to do anything, part of anything. Well, Other than my own here's shit. the thing for me. When I was a kid, I I just didn't like the authority, right? It didn't make sense to me, right? You know what I mean? Like like uh like I, I ended up uh stopped going to school. I dropped out for a little bit, then I went back, and then they were trying to say they wanted to hold me. I had to get held back a grade because I was missing a gym credit. That's yeah, you know that's what I mean. So it's just shit. like I didn't get shit like that. It was I was just like you got to be kidding me? So I left again and just got my GD because it's like yo, this is crazy. What are you, you know? I mean, educate me. You're not supposed to fucking yeah. What is this? All this authority. It was like a prison. You know what it I mean? Is. Right. And then I remember when I left, at that point, they started carrying, like, they made us carry IDs, all this. I can't even imagine what it's like now, What you know? P.S. what number? P.S. what? Uh, it was Forest Hills High School. Forest Hills High School? Yeah. Okay, word. But I, that was, see, it, it, all right, well, I grew up in uh, Manhattan, right? Until oh, before about, you moved to Queens? Yeah, well, before... Before up until about the fifth grade, right? I went to I was going to school in Manhattan. Where were you? Uh man, Upper East Side. All right. So but I would spend the weekends in in Queens, right? So my cousin at one point, you know what I mean? Uh George Lee or whatever, he he uh I would go all the weekends and hang out with him. So I developed uh bunch made a bunch of friends out there, right? And eventually I think it was for the sixth grade we moved to uh to Queens and then Where were there. you living in Manhattan? Uh, Upper East Side. Oh, you were living yeah, Upper East Side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Upper East Side. What was that like? Because that was what eighties, right? I don't mean to oh, date yeah. you. No, no, no. I, it was, was in the eighties. Was the Upper East Side like still like? Because now it's real nice up there. What was it like in the eighties? Oh, it was kind of it, it was it was yeah it was nice, but it was grimy. Here's the thing: my parents owned a, a corner store, right? They're immigrants, obviously. Uh, they owned a corner store, right? But they, it was on the corner of a school called I think it was Robert Wagner High School. Okay, now if you remember that, anyone that remembers that high school in the eighties. 
It was very um, infamous. Infamous. And it was very, you know, back in the 80s, things were segregated, yeah. right, Jake? Yeah, so oh, it was, it, I don't know, telling you know, me I'm from Boston. It, yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. it was a very, it was, it was a very, um, a black school, basically. It was African-Americans, right? Yeah. And these motherfuckers would get out, the bell would ring, and they would come in and basically just fucking rob my fucking parents' store. You know, so I seen my mom get pushed around by motherfuckers, you know, yeah. all the time. Right? So shit like that. And it was rough, it was rougher back then. It wasn't how oh, like yeah, you're going East Side now. Oh man, yeah, even New York different. in general now. Yeah, yeah, it was a yeah, very, uh, yeah. You lived in a different era in New York. You came up in a different era. That oh, I remember people the watching the movies shit. now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, that that's that. And then that's how I grew up, right? And then uh, we moved to Queens. I think in the, for the sixth grade. This is how I kind of remember my childhood through through school years, right? Through the grades yeah. or whatever, and then. Uh, uh, I went to Catholic school at one point, and then we moved to Thailand at one point. Really? Yes, I lived Why me and my Thailand? brother. Well, my my father worked for the United Nations, right? So okay. he has, he basically got transferred out there, uh. right? So we lived in Thailand for three years, and I went to sc- school out there. And then he passed away, and then that's why we oh. came back to the states. And then that's when basically I started listening to like more like metal, you know. And- would you say that that part of like you mentioned earlier that part of Queens was Guidos and bikers? Metalheads was that like the environment is kind of what it was just around you? And yeah, well, here's the thing. When I was a kid, but here's the thing: all the metalhead kids were the younger kids, right? We listen to Metallica, Slayer. What, what, what year are we talking here? Man, fuck. Roughly eighty. So I don't know. I don't want to make you sound older or young. No, I, you know what? I Warren looks see. younger than me for you well, listeners. So, well, here's here's the thing: I don't remember stuff by years, right? So <laughs> this was in. Oh man, I must have been like. 13, 14, so I got to do the math. <laughs> so it was probably like the early, late 80s, early 90s. Okay. Right? And uh, Metal was way, way more. I, I, this I would was say when like Injustice for All was coming out, right? This way more popular right, yeah. on a larger scale. Yeah, well, there was now. MTV, Headbangers Ball, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, you know what I mean? And there was, you know, radio, WSOU. There was, was a lot more shit of outlets that... that uh, I mean, shit, you would that, see Slayer on MTV. Yeah, 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 yeah and, videos, and, uh, right? The, even the summer, what did they call that? That beach shit. I don't know, spring break things or whatever they did back you see, then. Yeah, metal was a lot more popular, yeah. you know? I mean, it's popular now, but, like, it was different back then. It was a lot more, it, there was a lot more media outlets. This is pre-internet, you know, of course, so... And so, so it was... You just basically got into it because that was what rap friends were listening to it. People were listening to it, and it just drew you. That shit drew yeah, you. Yeah, kind of like because uh, New York. New York has so many different cultures musically and artistically. There's so many different sounds and things going on. I'm always interested in yes. what, why someone gravitated towards okay, so this one or that one. Or basically, I was listening to like more of like like uh, rock, right? Hard, like like, what, like, like Aerosmith, oh, like, regular rock. Well, like, I took you like, for a hardcore dude. Well, here's I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. The, I'll tell you the story. Here, I started out more like rock, like you know, ACDC, Aerosmith, stuff like that, like you know, and then uh, and then um, someone put me on to uh, Metallica, right? And then someone put me on the Slayer, and that that basically changed my life. Where I started listening to heavier music. Well, once I heard "South of Heaven" from Slayer, I was that, that like you know I think that was my first exposure to Slayer. I, I, it blew me away. I was like, what the what hell? What did is it this? tap into in you that was so special? Just to tap into like your your. I, I think know, back then, you know, rage, well, yeah, there was a ben, you know I was young, we were a lot more pent up rage, I was angry at the system, yeah. stuff like yeah. that, right? And then uh, from there, the metal, being from New York, right? Um, you eventually started. I discovered hardcore by big by by going to hardcore shows, yeah. right? Because hardcore shows were, were more popular. Because there was uh, venues like CBGBs, the Wetlands, and stuff. So eventually, when I discovered, and I basically went to an obituary show, 
right? And Agnostic Front was the, the, the direct support band. And they, they opened up, and I saw Agnostic Front, and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Just like that was A bunch it, of tattooed yeah. guys running around. It was, and the music, it was just, I was like, what is this? And, that, and I had to find out more. And basically, you know, that's, that's what opened the door for me at, at Hardcore, right? A couple months after that, I probably shaved my head and started going to Hardcore shows, you know? So wait, what was your, so Warren, for y'all don't know, has a twin brother, Royce, stage manager, set car for various artists and tours, stage manager for Slayer. What was your, I was, I, I'm interested in when, when there's brothers close in age, or in your case, twins, that, that you know, are dealing with, uh, you know, different interests in, in certain things, but also eventually end up in the same place. So you're going to these hardcore shows, you're young, and, and what's your brother doing? Your my twin brother, brother, same age. My twin brother was in the military. He was in the Marines. So while he was in the Marines, so different yep, doing went. thing, doing his thing, I was out doing music, right? So when he, when he, he got out of the Marines, he kind of I got him into the music stuff, right? He came home and you're like, yo, check this shit. Yeah, this is what I'm you know, doing. He, I was playing in a band at the time. He Why would did come he to choose shows. the Marines? If you uh, don't, I mean, I don't know. You don't have to don't go know. into Yeah, that. I talked to him about that. He was yeah, crazy yeah. with military. He always, yeah. like, you know, we came from, like, my grandfather's in the military. You know what I mean? Back China? Uh, back in Taiwan. On Taiwan. Yep, Taiwan. Are you guys Taiwanese more? Uh, well, no. My parents were born in China, but eventually um, immigrated to Taiwan. So they're, they're from, I think, the southern part of China. and then uh, But they grew up mostly in Taiwan. So when I was a kid, I, I knew Taiwan more than China. So did right? you have like a big... like You started getting like a you know crew of homies that were you know into the same shit as you hardcore dudes... You had like people to run with and shit. Well, here's the thing or with hardcore still on shows. Some lone wolf shit. Here's the thing. Here's the thing with hardcore shows, right? That was a place where if you didn't fit in and didn't feel like you belonged elsewhere, you could go to a hardcore show and it didn't matter what you looked like, what you wore, what kind of music you liked. Everyone bonded at hardcore shows. We were all misfits, right? You're all freaks and weirdos and whatever. But the the one thing that kept bonded every everyone was the music. Yeah. Right, so that was the thing about, to me, uh, w- w- what attracted to me about hardcore shows, right? Because, m- like, when I was in the metal bands, these guys would, you know, you'd be seem larger than life, right? They're metal, like, you know, they're, they're these guys. That, but with hardcore shows, exactly, like, you, you know, I saw Agnostic Front at, at, at a show, and then you go, you, you know what I mean? Two weeks later to CBGBs, and you see Roger hanging out, Roger, the singer for Agnostic Front, hanging out in front of CBGBs, talking to everyone. Now, Humanizes you know? them more. Exactly, more so relatable. it was like, Wow, I can relate to this more, you know. And these guys were more street dudes, right? Yeah. Which was more, you know, me. Yeah, I, you yeah. But yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So I could relate to these guys more. So that's what attracted me to hard. And you know, that's the beauty of hardcore scene. The the hardcore shows, the hardcore scene. You know, nowadays it's different, right? With the internet changes things. But oh, back yeah. then, it was you know, it was more. It was all about the music, man. There's, there's a documentary I've been trying to like find. It's out there. I can't fucking get my hands on it and i'm not a hardcore music dude i don't know shit about it but it's about the boston hardcore scene which even though i'm not into it i knew that it was legendary in boston yeah and i had friends who were in it or, or dudes who dealt with like the fsu dudes or fsu sure. dudes themselves and uh i was always in, i want to see the documentary just to see what kind of stories they tell what size they show of it yeah I'd be, no, I'd be curious to see it just because being from boston like that even if that wasn't your scene it was so goddamn close sure, to you you sure. couldn't fucking not know about it yeah and uh and I, i'm curious to know i actually had a guy on um the podcast my man kevin kellett he's from new york he's a hardcore dude he's a barber he he, he um cuts like for frank's chop shop okay yeah and yeah then he okay. also is like yeah, the rapper cheesy's personal bar, uh, barber on tour and, oh nice and he's okay. in a hardcore it wasn't a hardcore band he's in a lot of hardcore shit and 
he talked about a bunch of it on here, but I don't know that world, even though it's it was right next door to me yeah. in Boston. I just was on a different road, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Well, I, I came about it. For, from New York. For me, I came around in the early, in the late 80s, early 90s, right? Probably around 90, 91, I started going to hardcore shows, right? And that was at the time where the scene was, it kind of died, right? Because it, it, was, it was pretty violent back in 89, I think, and, and CB's at one point shut down, right? To stop having shows there because of the violence or whatever. And uh, and um, I was part of the the the, the rebirth. yeah the rebirth of it as you would say it was a place called uh, Bond Street Cafe I like to call it the lost era of hardcore right because people typically talk about you know like uh, there was a couple of books released right a movie American hardcore, oh, yeah, hardcore yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever all these like but they always skip this one era to me where it was again the early nineties right where shit died out. And then there was only places like, let's say, the Wetlands or um, uh, uh, um, Bond Street Cafe, where these younger bands that people don't remember, probably like, like let's say, you know, Burn, right? That that they happen to still be around. They were they were part of that era, or without a cause, or that eventually turned into uh, uh, Fahrenheit 451, right? And then there was a band called Close Call that eventually turned into a band called District Nine. And then uh, I was a band in a band called Out of Line from Queens. There was a, two Out of Lines, one from Brooklyn, one from Queens. I was in the one from Queens. And then uh, there was a, a couple of Vision of Zord was part of that, you know, scene. Um, uh, the, man, there was a bunch of bands, Standoff, that eventually became Still Suit, Shift. Those was basically those bands were part of the beginning Quicksand, right? They were beginning of the emo as, as it, it be, you know it was it wasn't emo back then yeah yeah but and it's emo now considered emo i don't like to la- put labels on shit but were a lot whatever. of dudes uh on some of the straight edge tip no i mean there was it was a mix but for in new york most of the people weren't straight edge but then you they were because like you had like let's say like toby morse right from h2o that motherfucker straight as, as you can be like <laughs> right? a, lot of, a lot of hardcore dudes i i've met over the years not a, not all but a lot of are on the straight edge tip you know well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you definitely it was dudes around, like yeah, you know Ray Capo or and Porcel, the Youth of Today guys, or or the uh, the Into Another guys, right? Um, there was always straight edge dudes. Uh, my yeah. my boy Franklin at one point, you know, he played played in One Hundred Eight and Shelter. He was, you know, uh, you know, there was always they were always around. It, 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 the thing with New York, it was in the New York scene, there was no segregation, right? Whereas other scenes, you can see. That you know, there was like the straight edge scene, or you know, you go to a show and there was Split. like the straight edge crowd, or the the weed crowd, or the the punk crowd, or whatever it was. In New York, man, it didn't fucking matter. You know what I mean? You had fucking mohawk dudes hanging out with fucking skinhead dudes hanging out with fucking pothead dudes hanging out with, you know, and and the, you gotta realize too, a, a lot of that shit is, uh, um. You know, it, it, it was mixed, man, because, you know, people listen to music. People yeah. just love music, right? Like, let's say, the, let's say like, the Madball guys. Yeah. Take those guys, for example. Those dudes listen to hip-hop before hardcore, probably. Their older brothers put them on the hardcore, right? Ro- Freddie had Roger to put them on, and Hoy had his older brother, David, who was, you know, old-school alleyway crew guy or whatever. He, he You know, he, he put all these guys on them to, 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 to hardcore. They were in the hip-hop before this. Even now, to this day, those guys still listen yeah, to hip hop more played, than hardcore. They probably played, they just played the what's it called the the single the Psycho de Mayo yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With which, 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 yeah, which, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Psycho and then Psycho Well, man, exactly, yeah. man. You know, Ice T's on their new record that's coming out. You yeah. know what I mean? So, yo, there, there's roots. You know, there's from New York, man. There's yeah. of course there's hip hop roots, man. Yeah. It's funny, like the in Boston, like there was a lot of a lot of the there's this you know the gang FSU. Uh, it's a you could Google that shit if you guys don't know about it. Some hardcore shit. Anyway, a lot of them would work at the venues in Boston, right? 
um, doing security bouncing, you know, for all kinds of shit. Yeah. So I would run into them, you know, hip hop shows a lot. And they, but you know, they'd be there for the hardcore shows, or they were in some of the bands, or they were, you know, on the straight edge tip, like you know, known for beating up motherfuckers for drug shit, blah blah blah. But I also knew kids in that fucking same gang that would sell in drugs, and uh, all kind, you know, it was just funny the way they would do shit. But they would police certain things. There was a, a certain neighborhood in Boston, a lot of them lived in, and they would kind of try to police it at runks, like sure, dumbass man. college well, kids moving in, listen, being idiots. Back then, you gotta remember street gangs. Or, or you know, gangs in general. I guess it was it was different, right? There was you know you kept the neighborhood clean, yeah. right? It was you know it was it was a good thing almost, you know. And uh, not a, like I'm not slacking on anyone or saying anything. It's just listen, it, it's uh, it's street, it's it's street shit. You know what I mean? So and street shit back then it was proper, right? Because you had dudes hanging on the corner, but guess what? Your mom can go shopping. And you know, walk by and bring walk you know with groceries and be oh, safe. Fun, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like back then it was different, right? Nowadays, it's neighborhood you know it's gentrified in New York. Back then it was real neighborhoods back then, and people yeah. looked out for their neighborhoods, you know. And that's what fucking you know back that's what it was back then, right? Think you could live anywhere else besides New York City? I did live a couple places here and there, but I, man, I never left New York. Yeah, no, I don't think I could ever leave New York. I think it's hard for New Yorkers to leave. I, I would love to live in California, honestly. Beautiful out here. Come, come on out there. I, I would love to, man. But you know, you know, being just my 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 situation yeah. with uh, my kid and everything, I, you know, like uh, I, before um, right right when she was born or before she was born, we're you know looking at places to live, and we ended up staying in New York because the the you know. She has a, a wealth of opportunity in, in yeah. the city of New York. You know you what I mean? Have a like, foundation well, there too. Yeah, and and, and you know yeah. this way I can kind of show her how I grew up, and then, you know I kind of want her. You know I don't want to grow up like I did. Like, you know, God forbid, Jesus Christ, man. It's <laughs> better that you know what I mean. But I want her to, to have you know like experience, man. She has the world at her fingertips in New York. You know, That's let's good. say like let's say if she you know I don't want to slag on places, but let's say if you know if she went to Orlando, man, she wouldn't have the same opportunities. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Fuck Orlando. You know, or let's say no disrespect to Covington. Orlando. Yeah, no disrespect. Exactly, fuck, I love Orlando. Fuck, fuck you know, I got a bunch of homies out there. But let's say our Co- Covington, Kentucky, man, she ain't gonna have no di- different. You know, yeah, as many opportunities as New York City. Definitely right? changes your like uh, yeah. your visions of what you can and can't do. Too, exactly, like, what you, you know? want to do. It cuts your. I'm not saying it cuts your dreams down, but it. You know, definitely, I don't know, there's limitations that you have that'll cause your mind to have limitations. Yeah. Well, like, listen, like, if I didn't grow up in New York, man, I never probably would have been involved in music. You know what yeah. I mean? Being from New York, I was I was able to go to shows. I was, I was, I was lucky, right? I was, uh, I was trained right away, subway right away, whereas, let's say, the kid growing up in fucking Kansas City, man, didn't have that. You know, he had shows going to, you know, whatever tour passed through at the outhouse, he yeah. would have to go there. Oh, man. <laughs> outhouse was an old venue in KC, that right. hardcore you, band You see that. that shit, too. When you tour, when you travel the country and you you're in like obviously you go to the big cities and then you go to some of these smaller weirdo places and I, man it just really makes you happy to be where you're from and i don't know man i just i'm it makes me thankful in some ways i'm like fuck I'm glad i, I, I played know. i also played in a, in a hardcore band called uh 25 to life and i remember to my first Thank show you. with them i was we I, I drove to new jersey it was princeton new jersey right it was like two hours away when i, I thought i couldn't believe you know to me that was the furthest thing ever yeah. And I remember driving there on my way there with my buddy, my homeboy G, and uh, 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 and I remember asking him like, "Man, you think there's gonna be people at this show? Like they have shows out here?" <laughs> it's true when you, you leave when you leave certain big metropolises, man. It's like you can't. It's hard to fathom. Like, oh man, is shit gonna be yeah. there. Exactly. And we played at in Princeton, right? It was at the at school, some like VFW hall. 
And there must have been like 50, you know, 50 kids there, 100 kids there. And I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. Like, yo. Like, you know, and that I remember thinking, like, Music will bring motherfuckers out. Yeah, and, and, you know, because the music saved my life, man. Man, I could have been fucking at home getting caught in all kinds of dumb shit. Yeah. You know, but thank God, like, uh, you know, I was was surrounded by good people. What was the bigger break for you, like, touring? Like, what was the one gig that kind of kind of puts you up on a, a different level where you could kind of get to where you were at now? Oh, the Slayer gig. The Slayer gig, that was <laughs> when it. I got, and that when I got the call for that, man, that just basically, it, 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 I, I, you know, I went from doing, I was working for uh, Hatebreed. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and uh, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's just a different level, right? You know, so, and all of a sudden, I, I was working for fucking Slayer. So it was, it was kind of crazy, you know? I, I, I did, I, I did, I guess not a quick jump, but I kind of like, you know, I went up the ladder. Like, yeah. all of a sudden, the next you know, I was like with a bunch of like okay. big, big, big name guys, or you know, guys that kind of you know knew more than I did, obviously, you know. So I had to learn quick, man. <laughs> so, you know, I think like if you can learn quick on your feet, no matter what kind of job or profession you're doing, that's the shit that's gonna get you. Oh, yeah. anywhere, dude. Like you don't have to know shit, but if you can learn it quick. That's gonna help you. Well, fucking. here's the thing. I remember when I got hired for Slayer. I remember uh, uh, telling, you know, going up to Jeff and Tom and and saying, you know, hey, thanks for you know giving me the, the opportunity to be here. You know, you could have picked anyone else in the world. You had def- definitely different options, and you, you picked me. Thank you very much. Yeah. You know, I'll do I'll do the best I can. And and I remember Jeff saying to me, yeah, dude, you, the part of the reason why you're here is because you may not know it everything, but you're smart enough to figure it out. You know, you'll you'll learn what you need to learn. I always think that's the words. most important fucking yeah. talent. I'm and I remember that have, gave dude. me the confidence. I was a big confidence yeah. boost. And I was where I was like, oh wow, this guy believes in me, man. Okay. So all right, cool, man. I gotta I gotta I gotta do a good job for him, you know? And that was part of the big motivation, right? Hell yeah. So all right. and now you're crushing shit, dude. Yes, yes. Right. I'm, I've, I've been here a long time. Um it's these guys uh it's it's crazy to 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 think you know it's it's coming to an end, but yo, we we've done a lot of shit, man. And at this point these guys are like family to me, so and we've been doing some huge, uh, huge shows lately. Oh, huge Big numbers. ass crowds, huge crazy. Numbers. I'm sure you've seen them all, um, in different stages of shit, and in you know the size of the crowds and the and the turnout and the ages of the people and shit. Because there's a lot of young kids coming to these joints too. It's not just the well, older crowd. We started when I started working for Slayer in '04, I believe it was. We were playing clubs. We had one truck. You know what I mean? And it was kind of crazy, and we didn't have like a lot of we didn't have staff. Right, yeah, like now, J- Jake, you say hats. we have well, we have like a production assistant, yeah. and you know, there's a, it's a bigger staff, right? Back then, we didn't have all these things, so everyone had to always chip in and do these little things, like you know what I mean, little like work extra, yeah, like set up the dress room, grab the band's laundry, you know what I mean, these little things because we didn't have people to do that, right? We had one, like you know, sometimes when I first started, shit, there wasn't even a production manager, there was just a tour manager and the crew, yeah. So the crew had to kind of handle stuff, right? You know what I mean? Because the tour manager was taking care of the band, you know? So we'd show up at the gig and kind of have to deal with it. That's you know, good, though. Kind of give you some well-roundedness and shit, I'm sure, right? Oh, that and between that and, and all the years I spent with Hatebreed and then before that with, you know, playing, doing stuff with 25 to Life. Like, yeah, absolutely, man. I, I learned, you know? At least I, I learned at least how to tour, right? And then when I got to Slayer's level, I, I started learning the technical aspects of it, like how to, you know, solder change pickups on a guitar, change input jacks on a guitar, change volume pots, you know what I mean? How to, you know, measure ne- or ne- necks and, you know, really do Skillful stuff like, shit. yeah, exactly, you know what I mean? Shit. Exactly, and then, and then through that I also had to learn, you know, with Slayer I also had to learn about rigs, right? How to wire a rig, how to run a rig, 
and then also with Slayer, you have to you you, uh, you run the effects. You know, some bands have the, their pedals out in front of them and do their own uh, changes or whatever. With with Slayer stage right, you always you you always took care of that. So you had to know you had to you know know the songs right. So yeah, and you got to protect stage right, dude. You got to keep keep the foul fucking ground. Oh yeah, the wall. yeah, absolutely. How's your knuckles feeling? Warren's right knuckles. He only has like three knuckles. <laughs> he has. I'm touching him. That's weird. You can't hear that. But yeah, he literally has like two and then one big ass one. Uh, it's fine. It's better now. Yeah, should, it was yeah. swollen the next day, but uh, it was worth it. Yes, I'm sure the uh, the the finger eleven people learned their lesson. Yeah, same. Warren had a VIP thing for Warren. He could have fans autograph his knuckles or you would autograph their knuckles they're right <laughs> nice little tattoo on them there Look, i don't i don't can i don't um violence yes, yes i don't but sometimes the situation love or not a fighter yes the situation calls for it, and yeah. the thing is i don't take shit from people right so you're not, dude. You don't. that's it you just take dabs right dab all yeah, day but dab a do 